This is Michael Golden, better known as Not Gru. This is my shout out for top five comics. Do it now, or you will regret it after the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today from the old-timey vaults, deep within the Yellowstone Monument Park, resided a mystical stick that carried the energy of an exploding old-timey geyser. Ross found it to utilize its powerful springs of water to vanquish foes. <laughs> As Ross. Hi. Is that Ross the Stick Man? The Geyser Stick Man. <laughs> geyser Stick, for short. Makes sense. Nice. While exploring the Amazon jungles, a mysterious pocket watch, along with a clockwork butler, found CBS to make him split-second. The stopwatch that allows him to rewind time for up to 15 minutes while costing his future. <laughs> totally worth it, because the life I lose is at the end. Perfect. The downside was the original name I wanted to go for was Clock and Chime. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. While exploring the ancient tombs of India... A mystic binding was found. When wrapped around the body, it gave Rob the incredible superpowers of an Indian mummy. <laughs> being immune to bullets now, his only weakness being the incredible flammability of the wrappings. <laughs> he is now Indian mummy. The Avenger. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like fire. Criminals with fire bad. That's understandable. Most people don't like fire. Well, I mean, they like it to warm up and not when it's on them. That's, that's part of the curse. Is that you can never be warm again. You can't oh, even get... Oh, now I see the problem. But, but bullets can't hurt me as long as I'm not too close to the spark. Oh, well. That's, <laughs> probably uh, not knives because mummy powers. It's true. <laughs> oh, man. Does that mean you can be unraveled? I probably, like, I probably lose my powers when I get unwrapped. Stink like rotting corpse. I just probably become regular Rob without the wrapping. Ah, oh, all right. So it means you're not rotten underneath. To totally allergic to bullets and knives and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But not so allergic to fire. Now you know why the old comic books origin stories were ridiculous and all about adventure and quests. People you know? did a lot of stuff back in the day. They did. That's true. Thor found a stick and turned into Thor. Yeah. In the old stories. It's true. All right. Well, after that nonsense. Ah, man. Uh, so today we're doing episode number 77. <laughs> All right. Uh, see, today's episode we were going to be doing uh, Moon Knight number one from Marvel Comics. This is the uh, 2016 Moon Knight. Uh, Superman American Alien number six. Five? Six. Six, okay. Uh, then followed by Jackpot number one from uh, Aftershock Comics. Uh, following that up is going to be... Gu do we want to do Gwynpool or do we want to do... Let's do Titan's Hunt. Following that will be Titan's Hunt number seven. Let's see the 77 theme. 
That's the only one that matches. Okay. Someone's fired. Ah, all right, and then Gwynpool number one from the illustrious Mar- Marvel Comics. <laughs> illustrious. Who got fired? That's what I want to know. Uh, nobody here. Wh- whoever plans things. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh man, let's uh, move on to uh, some news from Ross and the dog file. God damn it, <laughs> Ross. Uh, so I guess. First kind of crazy thing in news was we got um, Robert Downey Jr. is definitely going to be in the Spider-Man movie coming out, now titled Spider-Man Homecoming as well. Ah, Spider-Man Homecoming. Interesting. So do do we think this is going to take place prior to the events of Civil War or after Civil War? Um... I think it could go either way. Before I was thinking about the title, I thought that there's a chance it could be a prequel. Mm. But uh, the title of Homecoming makes me think that maybe it's after Civil War. He's going home. Homecoming. Right. Well, you know, like, that would fit, I guess. I mean, I, I like things that go both ways. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> so, that is interesting, though, because it debunks, if that's the truth, it debunks the uh, awaited death of Robert Downey Jr. in the uh, Civil War not being a thing. As far as contracts are concerned. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd probably be a surprised if, if he did die in this film. But um, we talked about this earlier, like that the, they haven't really done prequels before. But Homecoming works as a two-way street anyways because it's Homecoming to Marvel as well. Mm-hmm. Double entendre? Is that how you use that word? Uh, well, sort of. It doesn't and, actually mean two different things. Oh, uh, well, it does. And Homecoming to Marvel and... Homecoming to the maybe he was living yeah, in the city. Okay. Do you know where he was living before? I don't think you do. Uh, no, I don't. Okay then. And and yeah, he's in high school, so he could be going to homecoming dance. You yeah. go to hell. Oh my god, that's a good point. So if you're going to homecoming in a movie that's being made at Marvel with Sony, and he's returning home to New York, that's like three Home Alones. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man's Macaulay Culkin. I don't think that's the case, but maybe. I don't think that's. Yep. Anyway. It's completely different. Yep. Completely. Speaking of Robert Downey Jr., uh, he has uh, started his own campaign on Amazo. I uh, started a new uh, foundation for, uh, what does he call it? It's called Random Acts of, shoot, Random Acts of something. Not kindness, but anyway, basically what he's doing is he started his own foundation to distribute money to different uh, charities and Groups making things, which I guess every, the way it's supposed to work, they're raising money through Amazo right now, offering a, like the grand prize is an evening with him and the cast of Avengers, uh, at the after party from the Avengers premiere, so, there's a bunch of other stuff, like you can get a t-shirt with him wearing rabbit ears, he has a commercial on, uh, Amazo in a rabbit suit, like a Easter bunny suit, it's kind of hilarious, it's weird, but at the same time, hey, you know, you can do whatever he wants. It's truth. Anyway, uh, something else, Ross? Oh, we did have the unfortunate death. That's true. Just deaths in general. Yeah, we had a, we had a couple uh, a couple pa- pass away in this last week. We had uh, the death of uh, Prince, and then uh, the eighth wonder of the world, of the world China. It's terrible. Uh, that hurts inside, but nevertheless, rest in peace. Are great, you know, individuals yeah. that contributed to things. Now I wonder, and of course, you know, he's, he's not a great fan 
of us, but you know, I wonder now if we're ever going to see that Prince documentary that um, Smith made. Smith was making. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. It was made for Prince to stay in the Prince vault, but now that Prince has passed away, maybe that was the whole design. I guess we'll see. Nevertheless, moment of silence. I guess that's it. That was that was, that was you can pause it if you need more. <laughs> Purple rain. It's been a, it's been a couple days, man. All right, all the tears are gone. That's not totally true. It's so heartless. God. All right. Well, now now Ross rains down for a minute. Uh, let's dial back in with a little bit, a little bit more news. Uh, it's been uh, there's been uh, rumors on the uh, old internet that uh, a couple of uh, of writers for 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 books Brian K. Vaughn and uh, gosh Michael Chaborn Chaborn it's C H A B O N is how you spell it. Um, the two of them apparently have been recruited to form the Hasbro universe to map it out. Um, so we're talking G.I. Joe, Rom. Transformers, all possibly living in a shared universe. Um, so I guess we'll see how that goes. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn, we know from comic books, uh, made White Last Man, Paper Girls, currently super popular saga. I don't really know Michael very much, but he's done some other books too. So I guess it'll be interesting to see how that works, considering we already have, the only thing we really have that's Hasbro related is the Transformers. So trying to fit everything else into that universe will be interesting, but if it gets a raw movie, Completely on board. Save so GI Joe too. It's gonna... Oh, it's true. There's two GI Joe movies. Man, yeah, I don't know how they're gonna make that fit together. That's that's a crazy idea. Is is this for the movie? Movie Santa universe. Stuff? Okay. Movie universe. I guess yes. I blanked there for a minute. I was like, it's, under, it's understandable. You heard Rom was having something happen, and you lost your mind. Yeah, no, I. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, how is Rom gonna fit into GI Joe? I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> it's understandable. But movie wise, I I still don't get it. But all right. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. Honestly, there's not a whole lot that you could do worse for the G.I. Joe movie franchise at this point. So, you know, two no, was good. The second one wasn't bad. Yeah. But, you know, moving forward, it'd be nice to have a relaunch. It just, you know. I don't know, man. That second movie was pretty awesome. I wonder if they'll relaunch all of it, actually. Instead of trying to fit transform like everything into the current way Transformers is, I wonder if they'll just relaunch the whole thing. If it was me, I would. I would relaunch all of it. Mm. But it's kind of the way things seem to go. It seems like I mean, we've gotten three different Spider Mans now in not too many years. Yeah. Well, a lot of times that's because you know studios don't want to work on each other's. Scripting, you know, nobody wants to take over somebody else's ideal. They'd rather have their own fresh start for it. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, there's not a whole lot of room to go past where we are with with Transformers. Mm -hmm. G.I. Joe, I think, actually has a great opportunity, but... Yeah. Yeah, we'll see see what happens with it. I mean, at this point, they may very well draw lines and be like, this doesn't fit at all, and that'd be the end of it. So it's hard to say what exactly that's going to be. Because at this point, there's no dates for movies, there's no nothing but mapping the universe, so what does that mean? I don't know, they put everything into squares and see if they fit? I don't know, I guess we'll see. Uh, but that's just one more thing that's happening in news or studio-wise. Uh, we do know that the Preacher show for AMC is getting ready to start. There's a new trailer for that, and DC's going to be putting out a reprint, I think it's a reprint of issue one, um, or at least a partial reprint, as like a uh, in-store giveaway. Um, so, depending where you're at, your stores may or may not get those. Um, uh, drawn with a new cover, making the 
characters from the book look like the characters from the show. Um, so reimagining, I guess. Still done by Steve Dillon, so it'll be interesting to see what that is when it comes out. Um, then Marvel's been hinting or teasing a return of either Captain Marvel or Quasar. Maybe Rich Rider, but the ad, the, the trailer, the preview thing they put out doesn't lend itself enough to be him. So, we may very well get a return of Quasar or, uh, Captain Mar- Marvel, not Marvel, like the current Captain Marvel, Carol, but Captain Marvel, so old school Marvel. Hmm. Anyway, uh, that's all I really had. Ross, anything else? That's about all I've got, too. Alright. Well, I guess, uh, I guess we'll table that and move on to uh, comic books. Sure. All right. That's that's what we like. That's what we're here for. Comic books. That's why I've been told that that and the mockery. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Um. So, Rob, you want to tell us a story about Moon Knight? I do. Um, Moon Knight is going to have a lot of spoiler stuff, so we're probably not going to be getting into the story very much. But it's written by Jeff Lemire. And arts by Greg Smallwood, with colors by Jordan Bellario, or Baller. Um, so if you, if you haven't ever read Moon Knight before, he's a great character, but he's definitely dealing with a lot of psychological issues. The last series, some that I actually built a lot on that, and coming into this series, we're going to go right back to building on it. The biggest question, really, for this series is whether or not Moon Knight has ever been very with it. We're really delving into his insanity and asking the questions of whether or not who we actually see in this story is even really Moon Knight and whether or not what he sees in his reality is real at all. So, it's a great story. Um, There's a lot of good action in this and a lot of intrigue. If you're an older Moon Knight fan, you're going to recognize a lot of characters. If you're a new Moon Knight fan, it pretty much presents itself pretty well to get you into the story and you don't really feel like, oh, I should know these people already. So... There's a lot of craziness in it. Yeah, I, I really think this is going to be a strong run uh, for, for the beginning of the series, and I think this is going to be a great new look at Moon Knight. But yeah, really, there's, there's just so... You know, you can't really talk too much about it without giving things away. But well, everything leads to a secret, leads to a secret. So yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we can talk about the art a little bit, probably. Yeah, I uh, mean that that doesn't really, I mean, kind of does, but not really. Yeah, the the artwork for it actually was fantastic. I think they did a great job of building out how particular characters look, along with the pseudo look that we get for Moon Knight for this story. Um, along with bringing in certain Egyptian themes. And continuing to make Kashuk have a unique look that actually builds on, I think, Ellis's run before this. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I think is where it started. Yeah. Um, it goes through. There's like two distinct styles of art throughout the book. Yeah, which I, I think plays out really well. But uh, I, I, you know, it's just it is it is a right, fantastic right, yeah, yeah. story. You know, I, I want to say stuff about it, but there's just, I don't know, if I say too much, I think it'll just give away everything that's in that first issue anyways. All right. Uh, well, Rob, you want to give a score for the book? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a big Moon Knight fan to begin with, so I was probably already predestined to like the book. But I'd give it, 
give it a 3.5. I really enjoyed it. I think the artwork for it is fantastic. I think it plays out really well. I like Jeff Meyer's take on it so far. So, well, he's a good writer. I mean, the other stuff he's put together has been—it's pretty decent. You know, actually, I, I want to go a little higher. I think I'll probably give it a four. Okay, I really enjoyed it. Right on, uh, Mr. Ross. I'm going to agree with Rob and give it a four as well. Um, I actually, I know very little about Moon Moon Knight. Like what I what I know about him, I know from you guys mainly. Um, but it, the story looks really cool. I didn't know that he was tied in with Egyptian gods and stuff at all. So that's really cool seeing that. And the art, like you said, how it's got the two different styles and both of them are really good and the story's really good. So yeah, four. Uh, at least, at least their own version of Marvel's Egyptian gods. Yeah. Because I don't think Kashik, which I I don't know, I've never heard an actual pronunciation. So you know, whatever. Sorry if it's not. I'm gonna say that's close enough. I, as far as a uh, pronunciation goes, I think that's why I've always called him. Oh. Um, right. You know, yeah, I yeah, I can follow soon. Give it four. Also, I mean the, it's it's cool having another series with not Moon Knight. I mean the run before. Started out pretty strong, and I want to say, you know, I don't know if the only reason it ended is be simply because of Secret Wars, because that killed a lot of books off the, like everything across the board stopped. Yeah. So was was this a defunct from that? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like I don't actually know the numbers. Cause I, I don't bother to look at that most of the time. But I know that I like the story. And I like what they were doing. His whole Mister Knight persona was really cool. Um, going into this, we get a shift from that even further, and I think at this point, I'd be really, really, really surprised. If in the next like year, year and a half, we don't see a Netflix Moon Knight, or at least an attempt at it. Oh yeah, I would be too. Simply because the design of the character and the way he's explained would really fit that type of series, especially with what they've done with Jessica Jones and with Moon Knight, or with Daredevil. He would definitely fit in that class and category. So yeah, I give it a four. Um, I mean, like you said, man, you too much. Even the covers are really cool. I mean, they did the rap cover, which is awesome. The action figure covers of Mr. Knight, if you read the previous run, you know who that is. And then and the, the regular cover, I've been doing the straight jacket with the, the moon painted on his forehead. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So I give it a four also. Uh, strong book. Good opening. Um, yeah. Moon Knight, uh, definitely a cool character. Hopefully gets a Netflix show. You know, I haven't heard anything about a Netflix show for Moon Knight, but I can Me 100% neither. see it happening, too. Yeah, I mean, the most reason when we've seen things for is Luke Cage, and we've heard of a casting for Iron Fist, and seen pictures for that, so I don't know if he's a tag-along to Luke Cage, or if he's a own series, because last we heard he was they were looking at doing a full movie for him, so I guess we could see, but as far as like street-level characters... I mean, just think about the way Jessica Jones went. That's all psychological craziness, and Moon Knight is ripe with that. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah. So enough of the other whatever. But yeah, Moon Knight Four. Uh, pick it up. It is going to second print. So there's that. Sweet. All right. I was looking for something else to say. It wasn't hurtful, but then I ran out of words. Yeah. Could save Ross. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the uh, Superman American Alien. Okay. Uh, this is part of the uh, miniseries? Uh, it is. I think we're getting close. Do we have one more before yeah, it's over? One more. Okay. One more issue in, this, in the miniseries. Um, every issue has been done by different artists and different writers. Mostly different artists. Well, each of them takes place during a different time frame of life, too. That's so true. it, it kind of makes sense that it's a different, there's a different style, even though it's all begot one series. Um, but it's being written by Max... 
Landis. And then we got the artwork by Jonathan Case. And American Alien, like, like you were saying, it, it pops around and it goes to different points in his life. So this is before Superman has really established himself, even in the earlier kind of stories um, with just the T-shirt. He's kind of, since his last issue, he's he's become a little bit more trimmed down. But he's still kind of disguising who he is. So a lot of the story is basically Pete Ross and Ellis coming meeting uh, Clark Kent in Metropolis. And it's their kind of first time in the story. Now, if you've been reading... I'm sorry, their first time in Metropolis. If you've been reading this story, you know that Pete Ross is one of Superman's confidants who actually has known that he's something more for a while. And a lot of it is Clark showing them around town. And we kind of find out that Clark, even though he hasn't been really doing the Superman thing as a full-time deal, we're starting to see his personal connection to these guys kind of fall apart. Because uh, Ellis is evidently getting married, and Clark acts like this is the first time he'd ever heard of that, and we wind up finding out that he's been, you know, receiving emails and all this stuff and, and never you know, responded or anything. Never paying attention to the small and normal things of life because he's been too busy. Yeah. Um, a good deal of the meat of this story winds up being Pete Ross's kind of, like, irritation with Clark. And at this point, Clark Kent has stopped disguising himself. He's pretty much just going around as Superman at this point. And he even asked him at, you know, at, at a certain point in the conversation of, like, well, doesn't don't people stop you and ask you, you know, are you him? I mean, you look like him. Do you just never take off the glasses? And he says, well, yeah, I do. I take off the glasses all the time. And people go, man, you look a lot like Superman, but that's it, you know? Like, so he's kind of building that reputation. But Clark really doesn't seem to take it very seriously in this story. And as we get a little bit further in, we start really finding out that, you know, his, his time as Superman, his time as a reporter now, is eating away at his relationships with these guys from Smallville. And before long, it becomes this big fight, which leads Pete to say some really hurtful things to Superman. But they're really true things about whether or not Superman, in this case Clark Kent Superman, what he stands for, why he's doing what he's doing, and Clark at this point really thinks like Superman's just something that he does. It's not something he's going to do forever. It's something that he's going to do for a while, and then he's going to stop. He doesn't see the the long game of it, which is what Pete Ross is really trying to tell him. And as that story goes, we see Superman kind of push himself beyond what he's done before, and in doing so, he finds some of his limitations, but he also finds out a little bit about his own origins. And it was actually this kind of really neat connection with these two characters. Because it was Pete Ross really trying to get through Superman's head that he has to be something. He has to stand for something. Which is echoing back to the last issue. Like, what is Superman? What is he to everyone else? And who is he to himself? And it's kind of, I think, a lot of what the series is going to be about is... You know, when people think of Superman, they think of this kind of Boy Scout who always makes the right choice. Well, in the New 52, we know that's not who he is, but he still projects that image. And so a lot of this series is that build-up, I think, of him having to decide, like, who am I going to be and how I'm going to represent myself. Right, well, how he fits in normal society, too. I mean, that's what the whole thing's really been about, his place in the world. Yeah. Uh, um, Rob, you got to score for that book? Um, I've really enjoyed the series. This particular issue was 
was pretty darn good. I actually think the last one was a much stronger issue, but um, I give it a three five. I enjoy it. I like the relationship that he has with Pete Ross, and I think it's I think it's a fun way to humanize Superman. I think that's an important thing. So I give it a three five. All right. Uh, who's Ross? I'd probably give it a three. Um, honestly, I kind of prefer the more Boy Scouty Superman, and the new Fifty Two Superman has taken quite a while to grow on me. Yeah. Um, I do like that Pete Ross is kind of one of his friends from Smallville that comes back and is helping him through this mm-hmm. type of thing. Because I don't think that's happened really ever before, as far as I know. You know, one of the nice things they've gotten away with in the new Fifty Two is going back and recycling some of these old characters that kind of got lost in the shuffle, mm-hmm. like Lana Lang, like Pete Ross, mm-hmm. that were important, but they mm-hmm. were important, you know, in the very early days of Superman. Yeah, when he was, yeah. Or even in even in the Superboy stuff, yep. and not so much important to the overall stories of Superman. And so I, I like that they've been able to go back and do that stuff. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. So, yeah, in general, I think I'd probably give it a three. Right on. All right. Um, we have, series-wise, uh, issue four I thought was pretty strong. Uh, this one's not bad. I mean, I like love the color cover for this one. It's got all the people wearing Superman S's and, like, Clark standing in the middle with his glasses. Uh, awesome cover. Um, story's really good, too. As far as, like, setup, you know, I give it I give it a three. I mean, book-wise, it's not the strongest of the runs so far, I don't think. But as far as, like, what's happening in it, like like you guys said, there's no... We don't get that anywhere else. I mean, we don't hardly ever deal with the people from Smallville. When we do, it's usually because whoever's in trouble or is being turned into another villain or superpower person. So it's not often we see them as anything more than that. I mean, at least in this, it's building the circle around him prior to him being what he is. So that stuff's been pretty cool, I think. And and one of the other neat things, sorry, uh, is that this particular story, it was really well done and it's a fun read without really having a lot of conflict in the issue. And I think that's something that writers are a little bit scared of doing now, is not having a big story element in each issue, like actually being able to build something with just dialogue instead of actual, you know, like a ton of action. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, we want action, obviously, but like sometimes it's great to have these stories where you don't have to sell it all with action. And some of my favorite comics are just that and they're just stories about the characters with a lot of dialogue between them and not a whole lot of anything else so yeah no i agree and i i don't know i mean it just seems like it doesn't happen as much anymore yeah i would agree with that too that's for sure all right right on i would say definitely worthy to check out i want to say that's the same cover they're going to use for the trade actually i thought i think i saw that in the catalog the other day oh nice so yeah it's cool yeah, that's a heck of a cover all right, um, so let's move on to Jackpot number one. And this is from Aftershock Comics. Uh, we got Mr. Ray Fox, which would make Mr. Mike happy. Uh, and then Mark, er, writing. And then, uh, arts by, uh, Marco Felina? Felina, I think hmm. is how you say it. Um, I don't, I don't actually know if that's how you pronounce that or not. It's, uh, F-A-I-L-L-A. So, sorry if that's not right, buddy, because your art's great. Um, so this this book's very uh, it's kind of Ocean's Eleveny. I mean, uh, as far as the style of what's happening, uh, we open up and we're in the middle of a card game and we got got cards our guns drawn, uh, and our uh, the very first guy we wind up dealing with during it is this total mook type 
gambler, uh, like, mob guy. And, uh, he's got a gun drawn on our two characters, and, uh, he's at the point where we kill one of them, uh, male and female leads. And then we do a flashback to ten minutes earlier. Uh, in the ten minute flashback, we're on a cruise, like a yacht. Uh, there's a lot of people, so it's a party. And there's a group playing cards, um, open up on the, on the front deck. And at this point, there's, it's pretty high stakes, there's a lot of money involved. And, uh, we wind up meeting our, our first of our main cast. Uh, which is Tam Milani. Uh, he's a poker face. That they they call his position poker face. Uh, he's a card player. And he's been playing pretty good. And he's been running the table pretty well. And at this point, they're supposed to be on the last hand. Uh, and of course, that's not going the way that the gangster would like. And then we move from there to meet our second character, who's uh, Felicia Hyde. And they, they call her the cold reader. What she really is is more of like a locksmith type, so she's the type that would sneak around and pop your safe. Um, and that's what she's in the process of doing. Uh, older lady, uh, unassuming look to her. And then from there we move forward to, uh, this is a really introductory issue, because we meet a lot of characters in here. Uh, we move to uh, what would be like our fixer. Uh, they call him the heater, but it's a fixer position is what it is, like the type that gets work done when you need to get something killed. Uh, and that's, uh, Forest Roads. And he's off on a little tugboat pulling up alongside the, uh, the cruise ship. And, uh, he's taking out the guys that are on the boat that are supposed to be there, uh, effectively. And, uh, now he's posing as one of them, as if he's supposed to be there. Then we come back to the card game, and, uh, everything's getting really heated. And we wind up finding out that there's, uh, somebody watching the cards on the table. He's pretty aware of what's happening table card-wise. And there we lean and we meet um, our last character, which is the uh, other girl from the beginning, which had the gun drawn on her, our uh, dame of the group. And she is uh, Dominique Vasco, and they call her the genius. So as it turns out, the doll is actually the brains of the group. And what we want to find out what's going on is we basically have a heist happening on the boat, and the card game is all to cover up what's happening in, in the heist position. But that's not where the main catch is at, because we get through the heist pretty okay, and then something crazy happens during the heist to the heisters that no one really saw coming, which is the big catch in the middle of the book. Um, <laughs> and so it, that shows that the, the people that are setting up to rob the gangster, all the cast members we just met, are being set up by somebody else. As for who? No idea. I mean, there's a little kind of a reveal at the end, but it doesn't explain who the hell any of it is. Uh, but we get some pretty good action sequences, you know, very uh, run-and-gun style. But like I said, it's, it's very Ocean's Eleven-y, um, pretty quick-moving. Again, the first book is very set-up-y. So meeting cast, meeting characters, and seeing them in action, as far as like the catch towards the end, it's the people that are watching are thieves that are the real question. The people in the shadows that are watching them is where the real, like, mystery lies. And I'm sure by the time we get to issue two, the next issue, chances are some of that stuff will be revealed. Um, it's a pretty fun book. The art's really, really good. Uh, Ray Fox, pretty good writer. I mean, he's done some stuff that other people hate, but he's currently writing Bat Robinson of Batman, and that stuff's been pretty good, uh, following Pat Gleason, of course. But yeah, as far as, like, books are concerned, I like Jackpot a lot. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's very, God, man, like I said, it's very Ocean's Eleven to me. I mean, you don't have quite that as many cast members, so it's a little simpler. You know, I give it a three and a half. I mean, I really love the art. 
I think it's a fun story. I could easily see it turn into like a short movie. Depending on where they go with the mystery figures at the end. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I say it's worth a read. You might be better off if you read one and two together. Uh, just because one is very set But, I mean, it is what it is. It's the beginning of a book, so it's like the opening of a movie. You get all the pieces, then you play with them. Uh, so that's my score. Uh, Rob, get a score for that book? <laughs> yeah, I'd probably go in... I'd actually do it as a, like a 3.25... Um, I actually I enjoy where it's going so far. And like you said, I love the artwork for it. And it's got a, a very smart feel to the story. So it's very easily step in and, and become a film, the way that it looks and the way that the story plays. You know, I don't know if that's what they're trying for, but it definitely, to me, it's going to be a miniseries. Could it turn into ongoing? I mean, I guess it could. It depends on what the main catch is at the end with the, uh, the hooded figures. We still don't know what they want. I mean, I think the write-up in the previews catalog said something about biggest heist of their lives and having something to do maybe with God. It was a very ambiguous write-up, and I don't totally remember what it said, but that's what the pitch sounded like to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Ross, you have a score? Yeah, I would give it a three, probably. The art was pretty good. Uh, probably not exactly my kind of story, more than anything, but I don't really see anything wrong with it either, I guess, so... Right, right. Yeah, probably go with a three for it. Cool. All right, well, let's move on to, uh, let's see, Titan's Hunt number seven? Yeah, so Titan's Hunt number seven is written by Dan Abnett, and art is done by Paulo Sequeira. Probably got that one wrong, too, but uh, pretty awesome artwork, really good story. Titans Hunt, if you haven't been following it, is basically the original Titans. So, like, pre-New 52, original Teen Titans of... Uh, it's, a, it's, like a, it's a real select group, because it's it's Nightwing, or Robin, mm-hmm. or Dick Grayson. There you go. Um, and then Deanna Troy, or Wonder Girl. Mm-hmm. And then... Or Wonder Woman, depending on when you're reading. Mm-hmm. Go sure. on. And then Aqualad, or Garth. Mm. Tempest. Or Tempest, yeah. Um, and then Nark, or Gnark. Yeah. Um, they actually make a joke about it, I think, in that book about like the G being silent. Yep. Roy Harper, Speedy, or Arsenal. Red Arrow. Or Red Arrow. Um, and then Hawk and Dove. And then um, we got... Malcolm, which is oh shoot, what's his name? Vortex and or the Herald. Yeah, and then we got Bumblebee. So like you, you get like kind of like a mix of you get a very like a eclectic group. Oh, Lilith's in there too. Mm. So like you're not seeing Beast Boy, you're not seeing Starfire, you're not seeing Raven. All characters that they've already utilized in the New Fifty Two and in new roles. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing a lot of the traditional old characters. The only one that really breaks my heart, mm-hmm. no Wally West. So no no Kid Flash for this story, unfortunately. But Not e- yet, at least. Either way, like you have some really powerhouse characters. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this earlier today. Like The balance on the team is like, these guys are all the brawlers. Because you got Gnark, which is a caveman. He's all about his physical strength. Aqualad, without the limitations of being dehydrated, is incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. Deanna Troy is out of this world, pretty much. Yep. 
I mean, and then you, you get to the like the human characters. I mean, you got Nightwing and Arsenal, who on their own are incredible, even without yeah. any so- superpowers. And you put Hawk and Dove in there, they're both flying with super strength and healing and regeneration. It's out of control. Anyways, continuing. Oh, so uh, they they don't remember ever have been a team before. But supposedly, as the story is going on, they're all kind of getting these memories of having met each other before and having gone these certain places before. Um, and so we're thinking that there's probably some sort of mind wipe between yeah. all of them. Yeah, it seems that Lilith, who is a pretty high-power telepath, that was a member of the Titans for, for a while back in the day, is, is the first one who really remembers who she was and what she was about. But some of this mind wipe is even affecting characters again as we're going, because I think Arsenal even forgets who he was during this story. He forgets mm-hmm. that he was even Arsenal, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we've gone, we've been introducing some of the old classic villains also for the Teen Titans. So, like, Ding Ding Daddy, yep. who I think just comes through as Daddy D. Yep. And Mr. Twist, who is at the very heart of this story. Mm-hmm. He's going to be something that's really big as we go. And he seems to be, like, the main villain of I, the story. I think so. Once everything's said and done, he's going to be... The, the main part of the whole plot. Yeah. I, th- I think he's mostly responsible for the mind wipe stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, somewhere between here and there, Lilith had called in Diablo, which is another like superhuman group, to help the Titans, because she was afraid they wouldn't regain their memories fast enough. Mm-hmm. Well, the Diablo evidently, prior to this issue, has decided that the best way to deal with Mr. Twist is to kill the Titans. So... Sorry. No, you're good. So, uh, we start off the book with Hawk and Dove fighting against uh, Ding Dong Daddy and Honeybee. Or, or, or Daddy D. Yeah. He's a much better name. I'm sorry. Ding Dong Daddy is... Uh, yeah, definitely. It's old school. From his time, that's yeah. for sure. Um, and Hawk and Dove are kind of a crazy... I mean, their powers are really different, it seems like to me, than anyone else, really. Not not necessarily from them earlier, but just from the other people, in that they seem to have, like, super strength, and. But, uh, Hawk is anger motivated, and. Yeah. Well, they're both connected to the essences of the, what their particular character cast is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're supposed to be magic in, in theories. Um, I think the New 52 went a different direction, and so Hawk is the Avatar of War and Dove is the Avatar of Peace, but evidently they're like two almost rival gods in the New 52 hmm. that kind of struggle for dominance over each other. And we found out that there was evidently multiple Hawks and Doves. These are one of the last groups that remained. There was a much different take before the New 52 about what their powers were, but mostly it's it's magical. Mm. Um, so you have Hawk and Dove going up against uh, Daddy D, and then you also have another group that is Garth and Donna Troy and Nightwing all kind of find this giant tornado-looking tower, basically. Um, and then after that, you have another group that is uh, 
Arsenal and Nark, Nork, Nark, yeah, Nark or Nork, and Lilith, who will get uh, attacked by Honeybee in it. And you find out that Honeybee is not quite what she seems to be at all. No. Uh, pretty pretty crazy thing there. Just in, in general, the book has a lot of really awesome action and a lot of really crazy scenes that you don't see coming. Uh, it's kind of been a little bit of a slow build-up to where it is right now, but I think now we're hitting a lot of the really cool action-y and plot development and all that kind of good stuff. And yeah. the team is really going to start to form, I think, now too. So. Yeah. And, like, the two members that really haven't come into their own, I think, is Bumblebee and Malcolm, or Void, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever they're going to call him now. He was always the weirdest one anyways, though, as, as the Titans win. Yeah. I think it was him and Jericho, for me, were, like, the two Titans that were the weirdest. I actually didn't really know what Malcolm's powers were before this series. And I don't know if those are new to this series, or if that's what he's always... It seems to be pretty much that's... That's what his powers used to be. You know, mm-hmm. it was always connected to music. Um, I think it used to be very connected to a trumpet in the past. Oh, really? And then, like, there was something to do with, like, a, a voice modulation that came in later. Hmm. Um, but crazy thing is, like, I did a little bit of research on Mr. Twist, mm-hmm. and this actually sounds like they almost picked up a Golden Age story and have reversed-engineered it to put it out into this book. So, I mean, once we figure out how it all this, the story is going to end, it may really be the original story of that character, mm. just told in the New 52. Which is super crazy, because they really haven't done anything like that no. at all. No, I mean, we've seen them you know, go back and, and dig through the Golden Age and bring back characters that didn't work. And mm-hmm. make them fantastic again, mm-hmm. but like this is almost like judging a whole story from the golden age back to try to use again. Yeah, and I we we know already that coming into rebirth we're going to have a Titans book, so this is definitely the groundwork for those Titans. But it's just an interesting cast. Yeah, because it seems like a cast that I I think you're really challenging a writer. Because they're not necessarily characters that are going to always work together well. And yeah. their power sets don't necessarily lend to each other. So I think it's going to make real interesting stories. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, really quick, a few really cool moments in this book. Uh, if you don't know much about uh, Daddy D, uh, everything I know from him, I know from the Teen Titans cartoon, basically. Yes. But he's existed for a long time before that. His big thing is, is he makes crazy cars, though. Like, that's his... Yeah, yeah he's like Golden Age Cheese, is yeah. what he was. And he got a nice revamp in the Teen Titans animated. Yeah, and it fit really well for the cartoon, so it's kind of interesting to see how they made him work for this. And one of the, my favorite panels in this is he basically turns a car into a, a crazy mech suit. Yeah, it and, does. And it is, it is super crazy looking, but it's awesome. And, Really interesting way to use that villain in yeah. this book. Um, overall, I would probably give Titan Sun 7 a 3.5. I've really been liking the story so far, and 7 seems to really be picking up even more from where it's been going. So, Alright. Um, you know what? I, I follow you, Ross. You know, I give it 3.5. Overall, the story's been good. It'll be interesting to see when we get to the end of it, like, what, what character we're actually chasing. And... Uh, I'm sure all the mind wiping has to do with that. 
But as far as like setups concerned, the book itself is I feel like is definitely leading to what we're gonna have in Rebirth. Because uh as far as shift back to the character, I mean Nightwing's wearing the Nightwing suit, so that's a big deal. Um as far as him being around Arsenal, that's a pretty big deal too. So yeah, overall, you know, it's been a fun, it's been an interesting book. And getting to see some of these characters for the first time, at least as they appeared before in New 52, pretty cool. I mean, we got Donna Troy for a second, but it wasn't really Donna Troy. I mean, she had the name, but she was like a villain hunting Wonder Woman. She didn't make sense. Somehow it's tied into this, too. Like, it's supposed to be the same character still and everything. Yeah, and I'm sure that once once the mind-wiping stuff stops, that'll, that'll be explained or whatever. But yeah, getting to see her in a more hero fashion again was really cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so three and a half. Rob, score? Uh, I would agree. I'm, I'm going to go all across the board, I guess, three and a half. I really enjoy where they're going with this story so far. It's it's great to see a lot of these classic characters reused. And it's a neat way to take this New 52 idea that we're, we're going to recreate everything and still like like make something new while still incorporating some of the old stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to pick up some of those old villains. I mean, it's something that I thought Jeff Johns was always strong at, mm-hmm. was picking up old villains that probably nobody was going to use again and reinvigorating them. And so I think this is a brilliant way to do that in this story. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, really quick, coming out of that, they actually, in the previews book for DC, mm-hmm. they've said that Titans, this Titans... Uh, Titans Hunt is leading directly into the Titan series. So it is definitely going step for step into that. And issue 50, I think it's 52 of Justice League, is actually going to be a flashback issue. And it's going to have these Titans as sidekicks to those oh, characters okay. and like how they first met and joined and created the Titans and everything. Oh man, that'll be interesting. Yeah, it looks really cool. Right on. Um, let's move on to uh, Gwenpool number one. Alright, so we have two different artists that work on the, the story for, for Gwenpool here. The writer is Christopher Hastings. And then the main story artist is Garuhu. No last name. <laughs> and then the uh, prologue artist is Daniela... Boyrath? 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 So the, the primary story is pretty good. I, I, I like the writing through the whole book, but like their artwork could be a little cleaner for the beginning. But basically we established Gwyn is trying to set up a bank account in this world. And that Gwyn is very sure that she's in a comic. She's evidently come from a reality where Marvel is is a comic company. So she she makes it sound like she's come from our reality, like our physical reality, mm. and fallen into this book. Whether that's the case or not, who knows? Is that a lot like Superboy Prime from pre-New 52? No, but it's like his fate. (laughs) Okay. Like, ultimately, when he got shuffled out, he was shuffled out into basically our reality where his exploits were in the comics. Uh, Okay, that's what I was thinking. The the original Superboy Prime was the 1950 Superboy. Oh, okay. He just... He came from a land that was, like, super pure, and ultimately, like, when 
his reality was destroyed. Mm-hmm. He was sickened by like the reality of DC, you know, that it wasn't this 1950s ideal world. I see. And he kind of became disenfranchised with the idea of the world because, you know, what is reality if it, if there's multiple versions of reality? Yeah. So he kind of justified all the rotten things he did by this is this reality isn't real. So uh, it's okay if I just kill half the Teen Titans. Jeez. <laughs> you know. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Got work done. Yes. But anyways, for Gwen's side, she wants to be a hero, and she realizes that she's in, you know, a comic, so she acts accordingly. She and Like, a lot of her thought bubbles are her directly talking to us as the audience, um, and she doesn't really r- realize, like, how the world will work, because she thinks... The, the people she interacts with a lot of times are just extras, so they're not even real people to her. It's pretty funny that she she does call most of the folks in the bank a- a- extras because they don't have any actual lines That's funny. In, in the book. But she basically derails a robbery with a machine gun and lots of death. <laughs> which results actually in her being arrested, which she was totally surprised by because she thought, you know, being a hero, she'd just be uh, let off. For, for murdering the hostages. Or not hostages, I'm sorry. The, the, the robbers? robbers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the cops just thought she was also part of the problem. But yeah. But uh, she gets... I, along the way to being sent to jail, she winds up meeting the tech guy from the bank robbery, and they wind up building a friendship along with the policeman who's, like, done being a cop. And he has some pretty good reasons for it. It's actually a pretty funny moment where he's letting her go. And when we get to the backup story, the prologue story, like, this is where it's at for me. Like, I love this artist for Gwynpool. So the, the actual artist, the prologue was the first the first opening. Oh, is it? Yeah. Did I, did I get it backwards? That's all right. Keep going. Anyhow, um, as we build this story, we find out that Gwyn is taking all these odd jobs by the person who helped her build her costume and kind of trying to build her Merc legacy. We see how she's working with um, her, the tech guy that we met in the prologue. And we're kind of seeing how she's trying to build her, her way up. The problem is she really doesn't take anything very seriously. She well, no, kind of, story-wise, she's still, she's, she's, regardless of whether it's a prologue or the actual story, she still believes she's in a comic book. And like whenever she recruits the tech guy, whose name I don't remember... To be her sidekick, she has a thought bubble of sidekick achieved, like it's like a, like it's a step, and that's only for us, as far as the readers are concerned. So yeah. we just got that broken universe the way Deadpool sort of works, but it's more along the lines of like Deadpool from Kills the Marvel Universe and uh, Kill Illustrated, where he knew it was a comic book trying to kill himself in order to end it, and she is supposed to be from reality just in a comic book. So, like you said, she acts accordingly. Yeah, th- regardless of what she does, it, I mean, there's a point during the first battle where she's fighting some sentinels, and when they finally get to the point they can win, she tells the tech guy to make them explode, and he's like, well, that'll that'll damage the, the outside the Xavier school. That'll, that'll hurt the people at the school and damage the property. She says, no, no, the... This is for the people to pay for the for pay for the show, and she's she, like, uh, "What do you mean? They probably won't pay if we destroy everything." She's like, "No, no, no. the people that pay for the comic book." And he's like, "Uh, okay, whatever," and just blows things up in order for us to see the explosion. The reader. 
<laughs> Go on. She takes this uh, this really dangerous contract that's probably well over her head. And as she gets there, she kind of bumbles her way through it. She's actually following another merc in, and she doesn't realize it. And, well, she, she realizes it, but she doesn't see him until the very end. And, of course, being that this isn't what she thinks is reality, as soon as he's about to call in the job complete, she dumps him into, like, this fiery pit and steals the job, basically. Freaking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And uh, her new status comes with some uh, some downsides, because we find out that the, the guy that she was working, that the, the other Merc was working for, yeah, he's bad news. And he's going to kind of bring her, I guess, down a little bit? Maybe maybe put her a little bit more into reality, as we see in this next story? Well, she has, she then catches a very big shift for her in what she believes her position in the world is. Yeah. And who it comes from is an odd option. Yeah. So much so she even makes fun of him, which is a prime mistake. But yeah, I, I'd say Gwynpool is every bit as crazy as Deadpool has been. And is, you know what? She's pretty entertaining. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to say that like it's as groundbreaking as like what we were doing with Spider Gwen, but she's a lot of fun. And so I mean, this is this is a good book, and it doesn't just feel like we're rehashing Deadpool. And she has a lot of funny moments. Like I, I love where she lands on the roof, and um, she was just thinking about pizza and talking about it a little bit. And as she like sneaks across the circular window, she says she is the pizza. Hilarious. It's pretty funny. I mean, she winds up, how she gets there, she jumps out of a helicopter, planning to smash through the the window, or the, the ceiling wind glass, hits it, and of course it's reinforced. And so she's like, oh, oh, luckily there's a hole. Because the other guy cut the glass to get in. So yeah, she, she really is just bumbling her way through things, but the way it fits together is really pretty hilarious. So, you know. Anyway, uh, Rob, score for the book, go. Um, I actually really enjoy it. I think think they've done a really good job of it so far. And you know what? Gwynpool, I, I didn't think she legitimately probably deserved a book before. But they definitely have an idea of what they want to do. And it's pretty darn funny. So I'd go for it. I, I'm going to say probably 3.5. You know, I, I, I can't say that it's going to be like a big move and change of the Marvel Universe. But... It's a heck of a fun book, so. Alright. Good, good enough. Uh, Roth? I'm gonna agree with Rob. I'm gonna go with the 3.5 as well. Um, I found the concept kind of crazy at the beginning, like I'm sure most people did. But the book definitely does play off the humor and the really, uh, talking to you as the audience is crazy and. The art's all pretty good. It's very uh, cartoony, I would say, but that's not a bad thing at all. Fits really well with the style of the book. And yeah, really good. I'd check it out. All right. Uh, you know, I give it a four. I mean, book-wise, like Rob said, it's not. I, you're not gonna get anything out of this. I don't think that's gonna be earth-shattering to the Marvel universe. But I don't know. I guess you could. I mean, how 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 she get into the comic world? Eh. Uh, as far as the character, I mean, she originally, she originally appeared as a variant cover during the month of Gwyn variants on the Deadpool issue. And it was Deadpool, her, 
sitting in a donut in a swimming pool. I mean, the month of Gwyn they did, the Cap America Gwyn, Wolverine Gwyn, Groot Gwyn, so you got a tree with hair. And then uh, there was there was a batch of other ones. Those are just the ones I remember the easiest. Yeah. But uh, the Gwyn pool, and then from there, like, spun forward into the special. And the special was okay, but this is a lot more... If you like the special, leave it a little bit. This is a lot more fun, I think, than the special was. The special, yeah, five different stories, and yeah, they weren't bad. They were fun. But, like, this setup, I like a lot better the way this is explained, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, her constantly being like, oh, yeah, no, don't worry. The 499 reader, they're the ones who pay for the explosion. But even if she's living in the comic book world, she's not getting any of that money. So she's just crazy. Awesome. Yeah, she's she's been a great backup for a while in Howard the Duck, which I never expected her to be anywhere else, to tell you the truth. So, but... It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty fun, and like like Ross said, the uh, the art's kind of a little cartoony, but it's a, it's an American manga mix, is what it is. So there's pieces that are really technical, and there's other pieces that are a little more uh, a little more cartoony. I mean, when she's trying to figure out how the Sentinels work, she basically learns that they are doing the action move from the old uh, X Men video game, where the the way you watch the way they moved is how you figure out how to hit them. Uppercut, pause, back, move forward. That's when you hit them. So it's like it's just silly the way that that whole thing worked and mm. the way they describe it and show it. It yeah, it's I say it's freaking hilarious. Whether she'll connect anywhere else, yeah, who knows? Oh well, awesome. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. So I guess that was in for books. Uh, so we want to do some. Uh, Let's see. Rob, what'd you learn today? Um, I learned that if you get a lot of money, you can draw dollar bill signs on your eyes. That is something that happens in Gwen. <laughs> Ross, what'd you learn today? Um, what was it? The G is silent in Nort. Just like Django. Yep, just like Django. Just like the Django. <laughs> just like the Django Django? Yes. So, the, uh, so I'm saying it wrong. Okay, well... it doesn't have a Django, it's just Django. <laughs> What's what Django is? The North's G is silent, that's what we're going with? Yeah. Well, right. Okay, so then what did I learn today? Ross? I don't know, what did you learn today, Steve? And that's not how it works. Rob, what did I learn today? You learned that early Superman couldn't fly to the moon without bursting his clothes into flames. That's true. It's, it's a hot fire. <laughs> okay, books to watch. Ross, do you have any books to watch? Yeah, I have a lot of books to watch. Damn it, go. Okay, so all of the Superman stuff that's going to happen in Rebirth looks really exciting. Like all the main, main Superman stuff. So Action Comics and Superman both look really, really cool. Right. Um, we have Scooby Apocalypse and Future Quest both coming up really soon. Right. And those both look really, really awesome as well. Uh, the last issue of Batman Ninja Turtles had a crazy, crazy ending. <laughs> and the last issue of that, so not last issue, but the last issue coming out this month, uh, is going to be out of control, I think. Good stuff, man. If you haven't read any of that Turtle series, it is really great. Yeah. The art is fantastic in it. It's been fun. The Batman Turtles. It. I think that's it. I think is it though? Was that many? Well, I mean, if you count all the variant covers, I guess it is. Because Scooby-Doo Apocalypse has like one for each character, then a main cover, then a black and white cover, then a color me color. 
cover. Yeah, that's out of control. Color me cover. There you go. Rob, books to watch. Yeah, shoot. Most of most of them are out now. So Moon Knight, I would say, is definitely a book to watch. Um, as we close down the New 52 Superman, that's going to be a really interesting story, I think. Uh, I'm really interested to see where Titans is going to go. So I really enjoyed the Titan Hunt series. Um, as we get past the Angel Saga, or I'm sorry, the Apocalypse stuff in X-Men, I think that's going to be a great place to go. It would be wrong to not talk about the Civil War two coming up, which should be pretty impressive. Shoot, there was another one. I think Princess, or Empress 2 ought to be really, really cool to see where that's going to take us. And then Rough Riders ought to be awesome. So, uh, also, of course, Deadly Class and Black Science, which are always good books to take a look at uh, with Rebirth as well. Good recommender. Um, so let's see. Uh, well, I'm going to say the new Detective Comics because it's going to be a... It's going to feature a bunch of different characters, so the Rebirth Detective Comics should be fun. Uh, we're going to have the giant Rebirth issue come out, uh, the 80-pager. I think that'll be... The Rebirth Universe book should be pretty awesome. Yeah, that comes be. out the end of May, so... And I think that's actually going to be a really important book to get. Probably following forward from... Yeah, I mean, it's, even if you're just starting there, yeah. It, I mean, as far as the universe is concerned, I have a feeling that the reason it's as big as it is and the reason they're doing it as cheap as it is is because if it's going to be poignant to all the rest of the books. I mean, yeah, we got the one-shots for Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, Aquaman, Flash, and Green Lantern, but I think everybody else outside there, this is going to be the book. Yeah. Whether it includes them or not, eh, don't know. I mean, they're on the cover, so I guess. Uh, but that should be pretty freaking awesome, actually. Um, any of those one-shot rebirths should be good. I mean, Jeff Johns is writing them, so, you know, if you're John's acolyte, then you you got to line up for those. Um... Man, uh, we got Rom gonna have a book that starts sometime this year, so that should be oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. There is a free comic day one that's gonna come out in May, so that's a couple weeks away. Uh, it's the the one shot like IEW uh, produced book this year, so that should be um, fantastic. Um, we're gonna have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles title miniseries called Bebop and Rocksteady Destroy Everything. I want to say that's a six-part miniseries, and the shape up for it looks freaking awesome. I'm sure the reason we're doing it is because of the movie, and the movie two is going to have the two of them. So, uh, as far as that, I'm sure that's why they're doing it. But the series itself looks like it'll be awesome. At least a few pictures they showed. Uh, granted, it, it it is a miniseries, and the current turtle stuff has been great. So I guess we'll see how the offshoot does for this one. But I'm pretty stoked for it just because those, both those characters are awesome. Um. Revival's still great. Tim Seeley and uh, Mike Norton killing it over at Image because that book's awesome still. And then Harley Quinn with her uh, the Black Book stuff. Definitely a definitely fan. What's going on there? April Fool's issue was great. If you, if you didn't get a chance to check it out, you should really do it. Jim Lee Art, great. Something we're not going to get in New 52 probably because everything's twice a month. And I don't know. He says Suicide Squad, Steve. Nah, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. He's, he's, he's surprised me before. Man drives cars fast. <sighs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I think that's there was there was one, more? one that we probably forgot, which is Super Sons. Which I'm actually looking forward to that coming out because it's going to be what uh, original DC Universe Superman's son, 
and then uh, Damien. Which I guess this probably should have gone in the news, but we found out that Superman's son is going to be called Superboy in okay. Rebirth, which only makes sense. But Yeah, so I wonder what that means for New 52 Superboy. Yeah, not sure. I had one more, too, that I forgot Oops. about. Hmm. That was Poe Dameron. <laughs> it's like a swear word when you say Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron. Good stuff. Oh, and then what about Han Solo following the... I didn't even realize there was that, a Han Solo. going to be. So that one, five, too. Five-part Han Solo. Sweet. All right. Take that, Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron. <laughs> That's right. Like a swear word. All right. Uh, anything else? Just the keys? I think so. I think it's just the key. The key. The key. The key. Poe Dameron. Son of a Cowboy, I'm a young man, I'm a cowboy. You're a sick.